Let's get into the Word. I only brought two of my double-edged swords up here today. Last week, I think I had three of them. And we were in Matthew. Go ahead and turn to Matthew. Uh, you know, we're, I'm supposed to be what's on the front of the bulletin, Matthew 13. I, that's, where I'm, that's what I'm supposed to be doing according to my plan, but God has other plans. I'm, I'm trying to follow the Spirit, and we're working toward Matthew 13, which is a transitional part of a transitional book of the Bible. Though so there's been two in this series. If you have not heard rightly dividing the word of truth number one and number two, this is going to be number three, but you can get a CD or you can go to the podcast and you can listen to it. Uh, again, the podcast is, you can search it at Lafayette or Lafayette uh, Church, Lafayette Church, and then S.L. Hall. And it'll pop right up for you, and you can listen. You can go back and listen to the one. This is fairly new, so it goes back to, I think, January 2nd. It was the first Sunday of this year. I felt led to do a message on creation, and that message was well-received. And the hearers of the Word wanted more, and that started Wednesday night, and we have been just going at it since. Uh, we got people in Sunday school that want that taped as well. So we're, you know, we got people that's wanting to, I, and I'm loving it. I'm absolutely loving this. Uh, the desire, see, I used to have to go to the jail on Friday nights to find people who really wanted to hear the Word of God. And I, that's why I love going there. Because there was a whole big group of guys that would come in there, and they were hungry for the Word of God. So 11 years, all the way up until two years ago when COVID shut it down, and now we're trying, the guy that I went up there with, they, the, the, at the last of it, when I had a, a helper who, I don't want to go into the details of that, but anyway, Cameron's just a super good guy. He had his own Bible study there. It, things got restructured, and, and we ended up getting teamed up, and it was great. And I talked to Cameron the other night, and Officer Akers over at the jail, he, he has a link that we can go to, and we can give him videos of a Bible study. And I'm going to try to see if I can work it out to where they can just go directly to the podcast. So I, can, I need to talk to him about that. But Cameron is trying to figure out a way he can use his cell phone and actually do a Bible study video, and then he can just send that directly to the jail and they'll pull it up on Google, whatever, and be able to play it. But they kind of want a video just so the guys can see something as well. When they go to the program room, they got a big TV in there, and they can, they can play this video. So at least, at least they're trying to get something back in up there. But two years is way too long uh, for that to happen. COVID has been a big enemy. And the enemy has used it to get people out of churches, to get people, uh, again, separated from each other. And I have not been happy with it. And I just very, I was encouraged by certain pastors that continue to have church services 
I've talked about it before. They're brave men of God that stood up and did not sh shut their churches down, even though they were told, literally told they were going to go to jail if they had their church services. And they said, fine, I'll go to jail. Yeah, and, and they continued. And when they stood up, people backed off. So um, I'm encouraged by that. I'm glad we started back when we did, and I'm glad that we've been able to do everything we've done. And I feel like God's going to bless us for that, and I'm already seeing it. So last week, or maybe it was Wednesday night, so here's the thing. I try to make Sundays to be, you know, sermons, but it's turning into series on all these things. So I encourage you to listen to Wednesday nights if you can. It'll, everything will make more sense. So this past Wednesday, if you didn't hear that, what I'm starting with might be a little bit fuzzy, but I, I just want to pick up with the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God being different. In the book of Matthew, it's the only place in the whole Bible that you're going to see kingdom of heaven. And I believe it's 31, I can't remember how many times. And people will say, well, that's just Matthew's preference. He liked to say kingdom of heaven when the other gospel writers liked the phrase kingdom of God. Now, in this past Wednesday, was it Wednesday or was it last Sunday? I can't remember now, but I listed, I believe it was, I can't remember. So I listed, I had an eight, eight on the list of the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And I read it out of my companion Bible. Y'all all know where I bought that. The companion, Appendix 114, there's all kinds of appendixes in the back of that companion Bible, and I, I read those off, and then I, I'm going to show you a couple verses in uh, the Bible that shows the difference as well. So my point in talking about uh, Matthew saying kingdom of heaven, guess what? In Matthew, kingdom of God is used five times. So if you say that it's just his preference, they're the same, but it's just his preference, and that's what he liked to say, why did he use kingdom of God five times if that's his preference? They are different. It is critical that you know the difference. Have you ever heard of dispensational truth? You ever heard that phrase, dispensational truth? The, the, the title of this message, number three, this is number three, rightly dividing the word of truth. You have to rightly divide it so that you won't get confused. There's a lot of people that are confused. There are people who try to live the Sermon on the Mount and wonder why they're never satisfied and they always feel guilty that they're not doing enough. All you got to do is just tell people, start reading, reading and say, uh, well, have you been to the hospital to visit anybody? Have you clothed the naked? Have you visited the people at the prison? And, and, and you, you don't measure up anywhere close to what it talks about. And you start thinking, and all of a sudden, you'll have this mindset of a works salvation. And you'll start trying to do enough works so that you'll line up with what the Bible says on the Sermon on the Mount. The series before this one was entering into the rest. Entering into his rest. we got to learn how to do that. When you learn to understand the gospel, the, and, and there's the gospel of what? 
gospel, it just means good news. It means good news. So what is the gospel? When I say that to you guys, you automatically know what I'm referring to. But in Matthew, it says the gospel of the kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom. Gospel of the kingdom. You don't hear gospel of the kingdom in Mark, Luke, and John. Not the gospel of the kingdom. It's different. Matthew is talking to the Jewish people. You must rightly divide. So here's, here's the difference. This is out of... First, I'm going to read the one out of Matthew, which is, which is kingdom. Matthew... I'm in 11, 12. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. If you have a different version other than the King James, it will probably say something almost completely opposite. Okay? So if you're, if you're reading out of a different, if you're following along in a different version like the NIV or the New American Standard, ESV, it's going to say something different. The kingdom of heaven was taken by force. The kingdom of heaven is an earthly kingdom. It's God's kingdom that was going to be set up on earth. Jesus was the king. He was the Messiah that had been, wait, been, they've been waiting for him, and his very own people didn't receive him, and they actually went and forcefully took the king, and they took him before the Roman uh, rulers, and they falsely accused him, and they hung him on a cross, and he died. The kingdom of heaven was put on hold. The nation of Israel was set aside for a season but he's coming back around to them once the church age is over. That's the gospel of grace, the dispensation of grace. That's what we're in right now. So dispensational truth is, it used to be under the law. The Jew, it was only for the Jewish nation, but now we're in the dispensation of grace. It's, and that word dispensation, it might freak you out. You may have read a book that dispensational, this, that, and the other is not good, and it's terrible. And don't let anybody teach you this stuff. This, all that is is the way God deals with his people at a particular time. So we're not under law now. We're under grace because we're in a different... We're in the church age, which was hid from all the, before. All the people, the prophets wrote about it and didn't even know what they were writing about. Who writes a whole 66 chapters of Isaiah? Am I saying that right? Is it, I think it's 66 chapters in Isaiah. Who writes that much and then goes back and reads what they wrote and try to figure it out? You can read in, in Peter. That's, it, it talks Peter. The, the Gospels of Peter talk about that, that the, that the writers of old wrote, the prophets wrote, and then went back and inquired into what they wrote. Now, is that not proof of inspiration of the Holy Word of God? The very prophets who wrote it didn't even know what it meant. They had to go back and study it and try to figure it out. It's like, dude, you wrote it. Who does that? We only write what we know. But they were writing stuff they had no clue of. And they were writing about the mystery of this church age that we're in right now and couldn't figure it out. And even the angels looked into it. Dispensational truth. If, if you have a hard time with that, the believer, you sh as a believer, you should be able to distinguish between the dispensation of law that came by Moses and the dispensation of grace, which came by the Lord Jesus. You should be able to distinguish between 
the Jew, the Gentile, and the church. It's different. They're different. You should be able to distinguish between the Sabbath and the Lord's Day. I know people who go to church on Saturday because it's the Sabbath day. Well, that is correct. Sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday, that is the Jewish Sabbath. Why are you honoring the Sabbath when now, as a church, we, the church age, we honor the Lord's Day? We honor all days. Some people honor every day. But there's the first day of the week is the Lord's Day, and that's when we come together as Christians. Sunday is the, way, is the day we worship, come together as a group. So you need to know the difference between the Jewish Sabbath and the Lord's Day for the church. You also need to distinguish between the gift of salvation for the sinner and the rewards of the faithful service for the Christian. You ever get confused about that? There's a reward for people who are already born again that are doing the Lord's work. You get crowns that you'll cast before Jesus in heaven one day. You're not working towards salvation. You're just doing the works because of salvation. So we got to understand that the gift of salvation is for the sinner. Now the rewards you gain in your Christian walk is for someone who is a Christian. You also need to be able to, to distinguish between the judgment seat of Christ for the believer and the judgment of the great white throne for the unbeliever. It's two different thrones. You, 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 tell, you can tell a Christian, hey, you know, change, you, you're messing up. You're going to stand before Christ one day. You're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not because they're going to be judged whether they're going to hell or heaven. It's already been settled that they're born again, if they're truly born again, that is. Now, you might be telling somebody that that's really not truly born again, and they, they might be ended up going to the great white throne judgment seat. You, got, you need to understand the difference of the two. And that all has to do with understanding the dispensation of law, and Matthew is just eat up with it. What I said last time was the book of Matthew shows us some really important things we need to get. That's why it's at the beginning of the New Testament. We've got to get a grasp on it so that we'll, we will be not confused going forward through the rest of the... Uh, Okay, so the kingdom of heaven, according to Matthew uh, chapter 11, verse 12, it's a kingdom, that kingdom of heaven, it suffered violence, and the violent took it by force. Well, that's true. That happened. Now, in Luke 17, verses 20 and 21, and when he, and, and when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, this is what Jesus said to them, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. The kingdom of God is a very spiritual kingdom. If we had two people sitting right up here, and one of them was a non-believer, and the other one was. They're in two different kingdoms, but yet they're sitting in the same spot, and with your eyes, you can't see that they're in a, in a different place. But the one is in a totally different kingdom, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is, is everything. The kingdom, the church is part of the kingdom of God. 
but it's not what we do to earn our place in that kingdom. It's who takes us there, and that's Jesus. The picture of that in the Old Testament would be the nation of Israel trying to get to the promised land. They couldn't go through the Jordan on their own. It was at flood stage. That meant death. Moses couldn't take them to the promised land because Moses represented the law. Moses got them right up to that Jordan, but he couldn't take them over, but who could? Joshua. Joshua took them through into the promised land. Jesus is our our Joshua that takes us into the promised land, into the kingdom of God. Jesus saves. Joshua means the same thing. Now, something else that we, we were talking about, it's at the end of chapter 3, when Jesus is baptized. So we're going to talk a little bit about rightly dividing the word of God, rightly dividing the word of truth with this subject of baptism. Because Jesus went to John to be baptized in John's baptism. So there are five different types or five different baptisms in the New Testament. All right, what, what, did, what did we say about this baptism that uh, John's baptism, what did he say about his own baptism? In 3.11, he said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. So John's baptism was a baptism unto repentance, and people actually confessed their sins at this baptism. They came confessing their sins. They came, and it was to, to, to say that I'm doing it a different way. But he says, I baptize, and I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Does that make sense? Say no. Jesus is going to either baptize you with the Holy Ghost, or he's going to baptize you with fire. And how do you know that, that the one is really good and the one's bad? And the reason you know that is the very next verse whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. That's a picture of hell, unquenchable fire. That's what Jesus is able to do. He's either going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost or with fire. So there's two different baptisms there of the five that I'm... Uh, so you, you've already seen John's baptism... For repentance, that's one. You see the baptism in, uh, with the Holy Ghost. That one is the one that's very critical for us. We need to understand that the baptism with the Holy Ghost is, is baptizing us into the mystical body of Christ, the church. Remember, he's the head, we're the body, and we are to be baptized by Jesus with the Holy Ghost into his body, all right? Uh, then there is Christ's baptism of suffering unto death. He said, this is in Luke 12, 50, if you're writing this down. Luke 12, verse 50, he said, But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straightened till it be accomplished? So Jesus has a baptism that he had to do 
And it's the baptism to be totally immersed into our sins and to be hung on a cross. So that baptism is really only Jesus can do. Only he can go through that baptism. But you know what? He actually told two of his disciples. Remember when, uh, and this is embarrassing for these disciples, their mother went to Jesus for them, asking that one be placed on the right, his right hand. And it, when, it, when he goes into his kingdom, uh, I want one of my boys to be at your right hand, the other boy to be at your left hand. And Jesus is like, uh, how did he respond to that? He said, ye know not what ye ask. Are ye, are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And then he, they said, oh, yeah, 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 we're able. And he said, well, as a matter of fact, you're gonna go, you are going to drink from the cup that I drink from. And you are going to be baptized with the baptism that I, but not in a way that they're what they're going to go. Oh, they're going to be martyred. They're going to they're going to go through terrible persecution, but they can't do what Jesus did. They can't die for anybody else's sins. So there's a baptism that's talked about in the New Testament. We talked about the baptism baptism with fire, which is to be the Christ rejecter's doom, and. Uh, the very last verse, I think it's the last verse of Revelation 20, talks about being cast into the lake of fire. Those, who, those whose names are not found in the book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire. When we say baptism today, what baptism are we talking about? Mainly getting dunked in the water down here at the river. That is believer's baptism. We are all instructed after being born again, having a true, a very true experience with Jesus Christ. And what happens when you are truly born again, you will be baptized by Jesus into his body. That, that will happen. And when that real, true baptism, when that happens, then... You, as a believer, you are supposed to, out of obedience, be baptized in water in front of everybody. Anybody who can watch, you want to tell people about it, you want to say, we're instructed to take the Lord's Supper and we're instructed to be baptized in water, immersion, being dunked in and out. And what does that symbolize? What has already happened in the uh, baptism of the Holy Ghost, being baptized into the body of Christ. So we're going to turn to where we were at Sunday school, uh, Romans 6. I need my other sword. We have got a whole lot of scriptures that we can go to about the different baptisms and I'm going to try to cover at least two places. All right, Romans 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death 
Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. I need to get over to verse 6. Because remember, the number 6 represents mankind. Verse 5 says, If for if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified, not being crucified, but is crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. There is a baptism talked about in 1 Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 2 says, And were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Nobody got wet. Being baptized into Jesus' body, you know, the body, we're part of the body, being baptized into that, nobody gets wet. But you are totally immersed into it. Okay? Believer's baptism is where you get wet. Because... What you're doing is you're showing the devil, the whole world, that you mean what you said when you made, when you made that profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And you being dunked down in... See, if you stayed under that water for a bit too long, what happens? You die. So that's representing you going down into a place of death, being buried with Christ, and then you're pulled up out of there. Now... Really, before you do that, the, the person who's dunking you will say, do you believe this, that, and the other? They want you to speak out of your mouth. You need to make that confession. And then they'll dunk you under, they'll pull you back up, which represents you coming up out of the grave with Jesus, and then you walk on up out of there. Now, have you ever seen the movie, uh, Old Brother, Where Art Thou? Have you ever seen that movie? Old Brother, Where Art Thou? came out back 20-some years ago. It's got some good music in it. It's got uh, down to the, one of my favorite songs, Down to the River to Pray, beautiful. It's got uh, uh, Angel Band, one of my favorite songs. Uh, I think it was the scene where there's three guys that broke out of, they, they, they broke out of a chain gang, and they're, all, they're, they're making a getaway, and the one guy, he's 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 very. You know, all movies got to have this airheaded guy in there. That's all you know. You laugh at. They always got to have a real stupid person in a movie so that you'll feel better about you. That's that's why they're such a big. Everybody loves the dumb person in a movie because it makes you feel like you're not so dumb, right? Somebody to pick on. So I think his name was Delmar, if I remember right. I can't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. But anyway, they're sitting there and they over open fire and they're cooking uh, gopher. And it was, I think it was Everett was the, was the head guy, the guy who was, uh, he, he was thrown in jail for practicing law without a license. But he's the smart one. And they keep offering him gopher. And he's like, nah, nah, nah. So they're eating their gopher, and all of a sudden you hear this down to the river to pray. All these people in white robes are coming through the woods, and they're going down toward the river, and they're going to, get, they're going to, their, going to baptism. And they all start walking over, and they're looking, and they're like, what is going on here? And, and Delmar sees all these people being baptized, and he's, he's convicted, and he just takes off running through the water, and he goes down there, and he cuts in line, 
and you see the preacher man, you know, dunking him under the water and pulling him up. And he comes running, he, he comes back over and he's telling, the, he's like, come on in, boys, the water is fine. And he starts talking about, the preacher man said that all my sins are forgiven, even that uh, knocking off that piggly wiggly. And ever said, I thought you said you was innocent of those charges. And he said, well, I lied about it. And the preacher man said, that sin's forgiven too. Water baptism does nothing to wash your sins away. So it was very falsely represented, like most people think that's what it does. You don't know how many people. The jail, I remember guys coming in and you start asking them questions about where they went to church and where, where are they at spiritually. Oh, I've been baptized. I've been, I've been baptized. And I'm like, well, make sure you get that baptismal, baptismal certificate and put it in your pocket, and when you get to the pearly gates, you show it to them. That's your ticket in. Make sure you take it with you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. If you don't get that part right, you're just getting wet when you do believer's baptism. That's on a church sign locally. I've gone past it several times. Right up here at Seneca Baptist, that's what's on their sign right now. What can wash away my sin? And then down below it, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what takes all those sins away. Not being dunked in the water by the preacher man. And that's when you are forgiven for all those things. Knocking off the piggly wiggly and uh, lying about it. All those sins can be forgiven. Very famous story in your Bible. Turn to Acts 8. Notice that I did not do the uh, little segment of why I preach from the authorized version today. Because it's in the sermon. In Acts 8, most people know this story very well, starting with verse 26. This is the Ethiopian eunuch and Philip. And Philip's already uh, had this experience right before this awesome time. And then all of a sudden, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under... This, I've always said Candace, but it's Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had come to Jerusalem for, because, to worship. That's why he went to Jerusalem, to worship. Was returning and sitting in his chariot. He's, he's, he's reading Isaiah, the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto, unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, the eunuch said, How can I, except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shear, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, 
Of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So, just imagine what all's taking place. He started with what we know as Isaiah 53, and he's, he's, he's telling them, and, and Philip knows all kinds of cool stuff by now because of what has all happened with Jesus actually being here. It's all been fulfilled, and he's told him the whole story. He's, he must have even talked about baptism. Now look, look at 36. And as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doeth hinder me to be baptized? Now, why I preach from the authorized version? Why I preach from the King James Version? Because verse 37 is eliminated out of almost every other version of the Bible. 37 is just gone. It's in the Latin Bible. It's in the Vulgate translation. It's in the Geneva Bible. It's in my King James Bible right here. But it's just totally missing out of the NIV. Totally missing out of the New American Standard, the ESV, all the newer versions of the Bible. It's gone. Probably not that significant, right? Since it's gone from all those other... So 37 says, we'll read it because it's in the King James. And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered, the eunuch answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Does that sound pretty important to you? If you are part of a denomination that thinks that the actual baptism is what saves you, you really don't need that verse. If you're with a denomination that thinks you can be baptized as a baby and you're saved from then on, you probably don't want that verse in your Bible. In fact, show me anywhere in the Bible where it talks about babies being baptized. Bring it to me. I want to see it. So I think 37 is a very important verse because what did we just talk about before? What did we, poor Delmore going down in that water and thinking all his sins were going to be washed away just by being dunked in the water? Well, if he's got the NIV, he's, he's, he's a little closer to being right. But if he has my Bible, then he missed a very important step. And that's being preached to him, the Jesus Christ. And for him to accept it and say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, notice they went down in the water. They didn't get sprinkled. They didn't pour anything on their head. They went down into the water, and then they both came up out of the water. And when they came up out of the water, Philip vanished. I mean, he's, he's gone. And it doesn't even say anything, anything about the eunuch going, Oh, I really need to want, I want to talk to him more. I, want to, this, I wanted him to go with No, he didn't need Philip anymore. Philip had done his job out in the middle of nowhere. This guy, this eunuch had been in Jerusalem. You'd think he would have got it there. You'd think somebody would get it when they go to the big church organization. But no, it's you by yourself listening to what God has told you and you going out and actually ministering to a person all by yourself. You don't need this church. You don't need the big organizations. You just need to follow the leading of the Spirit. 
do what God wants you to do, and you go out and be looking for that eunuch who's looking at the Word, who's pondering it, wondering what it means, and you have the answer because God gave it to you, and you're freely giving, and you can change a life by leading somebody to Jesus. Our time is up. We'll continue on on Wednesday. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for your word, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to understand it. And Father, that we would understand the gifts that you have given us as we have been, we have been baptized into the body of Christ. Therefore, the Holy Spirit has, is, is on us, it's in us, and has given us gifts, and we are to operate in those gifts. And Father, we thank you for those gifts, and I, I pray that we would use them to glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.